Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to episode number 57 of the Giant Take Podcast. I am Josh, mostly joined by my co-host Alex. I say mostly because Alex isn't with me every episode now. Slight shade. Slight shade, Alex. But he's here today. Uh, He's with me. We're going to be previewing the Giants versus Washington football team game. Part 2, Giants won the first one off of a stupid call by Ron Rivera to go for it on a two-point conversion. Um, Just like the penalty flag that should have been called against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night. Alex, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm reappearing on the podcast that um, I'm responsible to be on. So it's overall a very exciting time. Um, And the Giants are facing a Washington football team that is the Washington football team. And they're in the NFC East. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. Maybe we get a win. Maybe we don't. Maybe Daniel Jones doesn't throw a turnover. I'm just kidding. Of course he will. Yeah, we'll get into that. We got a lot of things here to cover uh, in the intro. And then don't even forget, we still have an interview too. And we have NFL picks. A lot of cover in this episode. Um, we have an interview with Daryl Slater. You probably saw from the title of NJ.com, National NFL Reporter. Mainly covers Jets and Giants though. So perfect guest for this episode. Good Good interview with him. Um, Alex, I mean, I guess it's your you know, your job to come on to this podcast. Alex was not involved in the interview, so uh, if, that, if that says anything. Uh, and then we're going to be doing our NFL picks after the interview, so please stay tuned for that. Our NFL picks, once again, will come in the outro. In the outro. Um, we'll, get to, we'll get to everything. So let's start out with the trade deadline. Uh, just something real quick. Very boring trade deadline. I, I'm guessing that's because of COVID. I'm guessing that's because... Uh, NFL teams maybe don't want to be trade players right now. I have no idea. Um, the Giants made one move that was Marcus Golden to the Arizona Cardinals back to his former team for a sixth round pick. We already covered that on this podcast. Um, didn't really have a role in the team. Uh, I, I mentioned Golden Tate in the interview. Uh, we mentioned a few trade deadline stuff in, in the interview with Slater, um, with Daryl Slater. And I wish we got a pick for Golden Tate. I wish we tried to tried to trade him. I, I guess we 
try to. We we're also looking at apparently some wide receivers. Um, interesting. I think it was. Oh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember. It was like one guy who. Um, what's his name? Kenny Galladay. We were looking into Kenny Galladay. I think for some reason. I could be wrong. I think we were looking into Kenny Galladay. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know why we were looking into Kenny Galladay, but apparently we were. Nothing happened. Trade deadline's over. We move on. Um, some giant injury updates for for everyone listening is basically Devonta Freeman does not seem like he's coming back uh, for this game on Sunday, which, I, I mean, I guess we'll go at it with another run with Deion Lewis and Wayne Gallman. I mean, what isn't even that bad? Um, doesn't look like O'Shane Zim. Don't forget Alfred Morris, Josh. How offensive. Sure. Alfred Morris, the Giants. Oh, yeah. He had so many carries, too. I mean, we've already complained about that, but he's got to get less carries. I don't understand what the deal is with that. Resign Javon Leak, to be honest. Um, linebacker O'Shane Zimenez has a shoulder injury and doesn't seem like he's going to be ready uh, for this Sunday's game either. And uh, when we're recording this on Wednesday, November 4th, the injury updates are... Uh, did not practice, like I said, running back Deion Lewis with an ankle injury. And now since it's Wednesday when we're recording, uh, you know, usually once it's past Wednesday and you're not practicing, doesn't, you know, you're usually not playing the game. Ryan Lewis did not practice with a hamstring injury. Golden Tate, not injury related. We'll get to that in a little bit. He wasn't at practice. Uh, and limited in practice, linebacker Devontae Downs with a shoulder injury. Blake Martinez with a hamstring injury. Uh, defensive back Logan Ryan with a hip injury. And, of course, could Sterling Shepard not be dealing with an injury? No, no, no. He was limited today with a shoulder slash toe injury. So we got two areas um, where he's struggling uh, and had limited practice. So that's just great, especially when we're struggling at the wide receiver position. It's perfect to have Sterling Shepard once again uh, be injured. Uh, I saw like Xavier McKinney, I think, got the cast off the other day. So hopefully he'll be able to come back sooner than later. I would hope within the month, maybe uh, beginning of December. So that's good. Uh, I'm kind of going through everything. Um, Alex hasn't spoken in probably a good two minutes since he mentioned Alfred Morris, which was a perfect thing to mention at the time. Alex, anything with the injuries that you want to talk about? So I just went and grabbed a glass of water because my throat was first. Uh, my throat was itching and I was thirsty, but... I do know about the injury report. Uh, I saw it before we were recording. And yeah, Sterling Shepard again. What is he doing? Well, like, how does he keep getting injured? Do you, like, Josh, do you know? Like, are you in there, like, stepping on his toes? Like, uh, do you know what's going on? <laughs> stepping on his toes. Um, no, but I mean, if you really want me to, I could definitely reach out to some people on the inside the organization. We do have some personal relationships there. If you if you really wanted me to get some insider info um, about Sterling Shepard. Who knows? Maybe they're just questioning him and, and maybe he's like vulnerable to uh, press asking him questions. Each time a press member asks him questions, he just gets a cramp. Um, I don't know. I, I've, I really have no idea what the deal is with him. But we obviously know he's a little bit injury prone. Not a little bit. He's injury prone. So is what it is. Uh, we have Dante Pettis, the former San Francisco 49er, getting souped off of, off of um, free agency by the New York Giants. He got signed today. Uh, second round pick for the 49ers. They dropped him. Giants swooped him up. I had no problem with the addition. I will take it any day, especially we have the injury, uh, like I just said, with Sterling Shepard, and I'm not a huge fan of Golden Tate. So bring him up. See what he can do. Um, yeah, Alex, what do you think? 
I like the pickup. I mean, at receiver, we're, we're generally pretty weak. We have Evan Ingram, but he's like, you know, can't catch the ball really, um, as we know from that Philly game on Thursday night. Um, what else? We have, you know, Darius Slayton's really carrying most of the receiving. Sterling Shepard in there when he's not injured. And Golden Tate, I think, isn't being used as much this year, even though I actually do like him in the team. Uh, a reasonable amount uh, more than Josh obviously I'm not gung-ho on trading him right away I think he brings a nice presence to that receiving core but yeah we definitely don't have any other weapons besides that and you know no one else really getting in there Austin Mack coming up from the practice squad hasn't really made a big impact you know Damian Ratley obviously just he what a disappointment he was now Corey Coleman uh, coming back on the practice, it's just a whole big thing with the Giants receivers. We have no idea what they're doing, um, but hopefully Pettis makes a nice impact. Yeah, and we got the whole thing with Golden Tate. Throw me the ball. Throw me the ball. I said it already in last episode, I think, but whatever. He wants the ball. He wants more targets. Daniel Jones, please don't throw it to him. Um, Giants tell Golden Tate to stay home after the on-field outburst that I just mentioned. Um, he did not come to today's walkthrough practice on Wednesday as a form of discipline for his two outbursts during Monday's loss to the Buccaneers. Uh, quote from Joe Judge, coach of the New York Giants, saying, I spoke to Golden at length today, and we're dealing internally with a lot of things. He's not going to be able to come to the walkthrough today, but he will be back in the building and practicing with us. Remainder of the week, it will be business as usual. Um, okay. Good to know. Yeah, I, I am not high on him, Alex. I'm actually very low on him. <laughs> if, you, if you couldn't tell, but I, I think you could. Yeah, I'm, I'm very low on him. I don't like him. I, I really don't. I didn't like the signing when we made it. Don't know why we made the signing for this 30-year-old player that is, you know, out of his prime. I, I, I don't know. The disrespect, Josh. I mean, last season, Golden Tate was our best receiver. Not our best receiver, but he was our leading receiver. And I feel like you just don't give him the respect he deserves as a, you know, as a wide receiver. He doesn't get separation. I totally understand that. He gets quite literally no separation. But he's a nice target for Daniel Jones to dump it off to. And I really think he's valuable um, for, you know, a rookie or, you know, now a sophomore quarterback. So I don't I don't get the hate on Golden Tate uh, rhyme right there. But I don't know. I, I'm not. I, I wouldn't. I would rather us have someone better, obviously, but I'm not like totally fuming about it. He does get paid quite a bit of money for you know not doing much, but besides that, not a big deal. All right, Alex. We're here. It's that time. Washington football game versus the New York football giants. It's going to be my three points. We're going to start off with number one, Daniel Jones. Don't force a turnover. Don't force one, please. It's going to happen, but we you know, we, we said this before. We're going to say it again. Daniel Jones, uh, he forced two on on Monday night's game. He, he can't throw the ball away or take a sack. I just don't understand. I don't know how you're supposed to coach that anymore once you've said it 50,000 times. Uh, you know, Jason Garrett on the sideline every game. Jason Garrett uh, in practice, I'm sure, every game. Joe Judge, what else are you going to say in press conferences? So, Daniel Jones, please, please don't force a turnover. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm not going to go on and on about it because we talked about it a bunch last episode in our Bucks recap, which you should go check out, episode 56. Nice plug right there. Um, but, yeah, it's really important. But I talked about it too much, and I'm just going to get angry. 
Yeah, so moving on to point number two is going to be the Giants' offensive line. You know, keep Daniel Jones, give him a little bit, to- little bit of time. I think last year the offensive line was a bigger problem. I-, I think Daniel Jones really had no time last season. I think he still really doesn't have many, you know, that that much time. I think that the Giants' offensive line is struggling. Uh, we have the rookies. I think they're doing. I think they're doing okay. I think the best player right now in the offensive line, um, to be honest. Or the player that it's Nick Gates. I think Nick Gates looks really good on the offensive line. I think he has a future as a giant center. Um, so good signing by them. You you have Kevin Zeitler as well. Uh, Will Hernandez is just I don't even know what the deal is with him. Andrew Thomas and we get to that in the interview. He did a 2020 draft grade, Daryl Slater, and he did not have Andrew Thomas rated high uh, as a grade. So. We'll get to that in a little bit, or I will get to that in a little bit. And then, yeah, so if, if they're able to, you know, against this Washington football team, which is not a very good football team, if they can hold the defensive line and linebackers to not get so much pressure on Daniel Jones, I would take that as my second point. And obviously the Washington football team's strength is that defensive line and those pass rushers. Um, so that's going to be really important, especially for the two tackles. Andrew Thomas and Cameron Fleming said his full name right there um, to contain. So it's going to be important that they do that so Daniel Jones doesn't get sacked like 50 times. Third and final point is going to be this Washington football team shouldn't be much of a threat on the offensive side of the ball. You have Kyle Allen and then you're going to have uh, Terry McLaurin's really the biggest weapon, uh, I, I would say, on the receivers. You got it. The defense has been the highlight that no one has expected for the Giants. We thought the defense would collapse this season. The defense has played pretty well. They've been having good teams, you know, good teams when it comes to offense, such as the the Rams and the Buccaneers we saw this week who pounded the Packers. um, And they just contained them for most of the game. I, I mean, this defense has been pretty good so far this season. So what I'm going to say for right now is let's hope the defense, you know, holds strong and just keeps doing what they're doing best. So again, uh, three points. Number one, Daniel Jones don't force the turnover. Number two, Giants offensive line gives him give give Daniel Jones some extra time. I know we have Chase Young, but that's number two. And then number three is going to be the defense hold strong, uh, keep on you know not allowing that many points. And I think. You know, we could have our second Giants win of the season and it would come against the Washington football team once again. All right, so now um, we're going to head to Josh's interview with Daryl Slater. We are back now with a very special guest, NFL reporter slash analyst at NJ.com. It is Daryl Slater. Daryl, how's it going today? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we appreciate to have we, you know, we appreciate that you're coming on to the podcast today. Uh, excited to talk some Giants, even though it's not very exciting because the Giants have not been not been good this season. Uh, it was a heartbreaking loss on Monday night uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, coming down to the two point conversion. Uh, and I actually, you know what, I'll start with that. Um, 
if you were watching that game, what did you think of the two point conversion that they put the whole thing with the picking up the flag? Uh, did you think that was a penalty on that play? Yeah, I, I, I saw it, of course. And bang, bang play, obviously. So it was, it was certainly a close call. You could see it going either way. Um, I, I think the, one of the bigger issues there that hasn't been talked about a ton is it was talked about a little bit on the ESPN broadcast was, and it kind of got lost in the shuffle of whether it was a penalty or not is uh, the fact that Daniel Jones was late on the throw and, and, and he did hold the ball a little bit too long in the pocket, which has been an issue for him throughout the year. Uh, we did a story earlier in the week where he talked to a bunch of analysts and experts, analytics folks and former players and Jeff Saturday, the former center for the Colts had a good point. We talked about Daniel Jones, one of his problems being that he's late on his throws and you saw it on full display right there in a big spot at the end of the game. So if he releases that ball early, it maybe doesn't get to that point. Maybe the ball is in the hands before uh, the defensive back comes across. Um, but obviously a tough way for the giants to lose. They thought it was a penalty, but um, you, there's a lot of things you can do. So you're not in that situation, but I think on the plus side, they played pretty well against a team that was obviously superior to them in terms of talent. And that's sort of been the story of their season to some degree so far. So now I want to, I want to jump a little backwards and I want to, I want to uh, talk a little bit about you, uh, especially, you know, your early days as a writer. Um, you know, where did you really think that, Oh, I want to do writing. Uh, was this at an early age? Was this, um, you know, in college? Yeah, I wrote for my high school newspaper and then I went to Syracuse and studied journalism there and Worked for the student newspaper and majored in print journalism there. So, and got some internships and yeah, basically from there went on with it. Just, you know, like most people figure out what you want to do in college and pursue a career with internships and jobs after college. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good way to make a living. It's, <laughs> you know, getting to watch sports for a living is, is, is certainly not too difficult. Beats covering politics, as I think anyone would <laughs> would attest after seeing the last couple nights of life in America in that realm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I worked in the South, in Virginia and South Carolina, covering college football and basketball, a little college baseball from basically 2006-ish all the way to 2013. And then I got this job doing the Jets and I've sort of morphed into more of a Jets slash Giants thing with a little bit more lean toward the Giants just because of that's more so what our readers are interested in. Well, since, since you do mention the Jets, um, I guess now, if you, if you want to talk about both teams, uh, New York, when it comes to football, not looking good unless you want to go up to Buffalo. That's a different story. Uh, sadly, the two teams uh, that you're you know, lucky enough to cover are not doing too well. Uh, one of them not even having a win yet and one of them only having one win. So, you know, does it does that take I, I don't know if that like takes any energy out uh, of writing. Um, you know, I don't know if you're allowed to say, oh, no, I don't, you know, I don't want to write this article after another Giants or Jets loss. You know, how does that feel? Oh, I mean, I think the I, I didn't grow up a Jets or Giants fan. I really didn't have an NFL team growing up. Maybe a little bit of 49ers in the mid 90s as a front running type you know, kid or early teenage years. So I never really was an NFL fan of a team much at all so I, I grew up upstate New York so I, you know sort of Giants territory sort of Bill sort of Jets so I never really adhere to any of it in terms of a team but like so I don't really have I don't have any allegiance to any of these teams throughout my life but I think as a writer you just want an interesting story and um, there's some interesting stories with this Giants team it's not the most compelling team I think anyone would look at it and say you know the fact that they're not winning you can lose and be compelling I mean look at the Cowboys this year um, 
the Giants have been interesting in some ways in the in the way they've lost some of these games. There's also the storyline with Daniel Jones, and you what you want is, as a writer is you want you want stories, and you, know, you don't you want easy not easy you want interesting stories that, that are that are prominent that are uh, worthwhile that are things people are interested in reading about because ultimately we want to get people to come read our stories. That's how we make make money um, as a business. So. Uh, the Daniel Jones story is a fascinating one uh, from a Giants perspective and, and the Sam Darnold one too with the Jets. Like, will they, will these guys cut it or won't they? And that's, this is sort of an interesting time. It's not like a, the, with Christian Hackenberg when you knew that he didn't have it. And so you weren't going to write a million stories throughout the, the you know, he wasn't even playing. So that sort of died on the vine very quickly with these two kids. It's, it's really fascinating because maybe they both don't cut it, but maybe they both turn it around. Maybe one of them turns it around and um, it becomes a guy who wins in this market. But um, right now it looks like that's probably not going to be the case. And a lot of that has to do with the talent around them. So there's always, there's always going to be interesting stories. Um, you just ha- kind of have to figure out what, what the interesting stories are. And a lot of that's based on results. So right now, no one really wants to read about the particulars of every giants game. It's a lot of bigger picture stuff. It's a lot of the draft. It's a lot of, why are these things happening? So, um, you know, the, 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 there's no monotony in the job. I don't, I think so. It's not like it's the same thing every day. So much of it's dependent on these other outside uh, factors, like basically how the teams are, are performing. So um, I think that helps keep things uh, interesting, spice things up and, and, and make, make sure it's certainly not like, uh, you know, being an accountant, which is no offense to accountants, but it's not something <laughs> I don't think I could do that for a living. So uh, I, I did mention last episode of this podcast, I talked about the trade deadline a little bit. Uh, and how the Giants didn't look like they were making any moves. Uh, we, we saw the Marcus Golden trade for the sixth round pick. That was nothing crazy. Uh, I, I did mention that, you know, like I, I mentioned players that I would want to see get traded. Uh, I mentioned Golden Tate, Evan Ingram in there. Um, and then I said, if, if there were two players I didn't want to get, tra- uh, you know, have the Giants trade, it would be uh, Sterling Shepard, just because what we had with Odo Beckham and we traded him, I don't know why we'd want to trade uh, another one of our young, you know, kind of bright talent receivers. And we saw against the Buccaneers game, uh, against the Buccaneers team, the Buccaneers game that uh, Sterling Shepard played pretty well. And Golden Tate, the only highlight from that game for him was the, the touchdown catch, which, which I think was more of a perfectly placed ball by Daniel Jones than a catch by Golden Tate. Um, and then Kevin Zeitler as well, because he's a veteran on the offensive line, um, you know, that, that I think the Giants should hold on to. But you know, since you wrote, I think, two articles about the trade deadline, maybe more, um, you know, your thoughts on the Giants trade deadline wise, um, they obviously didn't do anything, but j- just that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think moving Tate would have been a good move if they could have done it. Uh, I obviously does not have a future here. He's not a guy who really has impressed in any way in terms of on the field play or or really his conduct quite frankly it's not like he's been arrested but you're talking you know, pd suspension the way he kind of acted monday night give me the ball in the end zone the guy's 32 years old he's not he's not very good he's not very good anymore um it was a bad signing it was a terrible signing quite frankly so but you know the the other thing with the being in a trade is you can't force a team to give you like a fourth or fifth round pick for golden tate so i don't think the giants were ever in a situation where that was going to be reality so i evan ingram obviously is a guy who remains kind of a fascinating player because he's had so many not even highs I guess he's had semi highs and then so many pretty big lows in his career in terms of injuries in terms of not being able to um, 
produce and uh, to what he to where he was drafted. So the Giants have a big decision coming up on him now with the fifth year option. They could always trade him next offseason, but he's a guy that has the physical tools. He just can't put it together. Um, I don't I don't think trading Shepard was ever a possibility just because of the cap number stuff. And because, like you said, he's another young guy that they, they invested in him, too. They gave him a second contract that that because of his inability to stay in the field um, has looked to be another dubious contract by Dave Gettleman. So, but I think, I think if you look at Shepard, you obviously you say he has way more upside potentially than Golden Tate, who you know where he's at at this point in his career. And he's almost certainly going to be a goner after the year. So Golden Tate would have been one. If you could have gotten the fourth or fifth, I'm, I'm sure Dave Gettleman would have run to that trade, but it sounds like it didn't happen that way. So they just, right now, the issue with this team is they don't have enough draft picks going into 2021 for a team that's not very good, that wants to rebuild through the draft. Whoever the GM is going to want to rebuild through the draft, whether it's Dave Gettleman or not. Um, and it probably won't be, and it probably shouldn't be. Um, so six picks next year. They don't have the fifth rounder because of the Leonard Williams trade. They don't have the uh, the, the seventh rounder because the Isaac Yadam trade, which whatever, but they have the two six rounders and then one in each of the other rounds. So um, right now looking at the second pick, but we'll see. I mean, that'll probably change, but yeah, if you're the giants, I mean, you're, if you're a giants fan, you would ideally want this team to have one or two more picks, maybe throw a fifth rounder in there, but who are you going to move on this roster? That's going to get you that maybe if you can move Evan Ingram next off season, but then, you have to look at how are you going to replenish that in terms of offensive weapons. And really that ship, that ship kind of sailed in the draft this year. They, Dave Gettleman didn't pick a receiver, which is kind of mind blowing. And you went into this year with, with Shepard who is injury prone as we've seen uh, with Tate, who is toast at this point in his career. And with Darius Slayton, who's a solid young player, but maybe not a, a true star. So they need more weapons. They need more game breaking players. That was one of the things we addressed in the, in the story earlier in this week uh, about what's wrong with our offense in terms of the build, in terms of the strategy. Um, but that's, that's really where they're at uh, right now. Yeah. And they don't really have a comp pick, um, you know, nope. in, in this coming trap. Yeah. In this coming draft, uh, we saw them use that on Matt Parrott this, this past season or this past draft. And he's looked good so far this season. Um, and then with Sterling Shepard, I also kind of mentioned that as much as he, has been injury prone and not on the field the most he can be he is I guess you can kind of say a little bit of an NFL veteran because uh, he is 27 years old and if the Giants do bring in you know a young wide receiver with we would think this this year and maybe even next year with some high picks uh, in rounds that they might want to draft a wide receiver and not just have Darius Slayton um, but yeah so that that's why I would like to keep Sterling Shepard uh, and then now going on to an article that you did write today uh, about 2020 uh, NFL draft grades for the Giants. And you had Andrew Thomas, uh, the left tackle, first round for the New York Giants at an F um, compared to the offensive tackle, Matt Pear with a B plus. So I want you to definitely go into that. You know, I'm especially interested uh, in your reasoning for the F for Andrew Thomas. I mean, I, I'm not going to say I don't blame you because we talked about it on this podcast before. Uh, and I think we need to talk about it more is Andrew Thomas does not look good. He's allowed multiple sacks per game and there's something that needs to be fixed. Oh, he's been a disaster. He's been, I mean, this is based on the first eight games of the season, not necessarily will this guy be a great player. So the problem with, 
kind of with doing some of these grades is there's a small sample size for a lot of these players. Matt Parrott there um, was an example of that. He hasn't played a lot. He, he has some, he has pretty good PFF grades for his limited action that he's, that he's played in. Um, some of these other guys, like you go up and down the roster uh, of, of rookies have not played a lot. Um, Carter Coughlin, Cam Brown, how do you assess those guys? So, I mean, in, in that way, those are kind of tough grades to give out. But with Andrew Thomas, the bottom line is he's been really, really uh, unproductive. Now, the, the, we did another uh, story, Zach Rosenblatt, who covers the team, and I did another story uh, earlier in the season, maybe a couple weeks ago, when it was be- pretty apparent that Andrew Thomas was really scuffling um, and talked to a lot of former NFL offensive linemen about where is this guy at? You know, do you, do you see any, any scenario where he turns a corner this year? And the general consensus was it's probably going to be a really rough year for him. And a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, he doesn't, there's a few things there. Uh, you know, the guys working next to him, Will Hernandez is probably an average player. Nick Gates is a brand new center. Um, so they're not necessarily maybe giving this guy a lot of help. Uh, you have a, you have a young quarterback who tends to hold the ball too long. That's a problem. Um, and then you have the fact that the, the pandemic resulted in no off season and really no prep for, for this guy. Now that was the case with Tristan Wirfs and Jedrick Wills and Mackay Becton too. And those guys are all playing better than Thomas and, and, and the giants passed on all three of those guys in order to draft Andrew Thomas. So maybe it winds up being a colossal mistake on the level of Eric Flowers. I think if you look at that comparison, it was interesting to hear Jeff Schwartz talk about that, the former Giants lineman who played uh, with Flowers just for the one season as rookie season. And he's, you know, Jeff said, yeah, I don't know Andrew Thomas. I don't know what his personality is like, but one of the reasons why Flowers was such a mess was, I think that was, this is evident to anyone who really has read much about him is the guy was just kind of a dope in terms of his ability to take coaching. And that wasn't Jeff saying that, but in not so many words. Um, so that was one of the big problems with, with um, Eric Flowers, hardheadedness. I think he knew, think he knew it all, thought he knew it all. Um, wouldn't take coaching well. And, and, and so he, his errors continued. So I don't think necessarily Andrew Tom, I can't, I don't know the guy. I don't know the kid. We don't see these guys in the locker room because of the pandemic. So, you know, even if we did, it's hard to get a real read on what they're like coachability wise. So if you just, just look at the production, the production hasn't been there. It hasn't. I mean, he's one of the worst offensive tackles in the league. So I don't know how else you could have graded him. I understand that, you know, you kind of have to grade on a curve, but I'm not necessarily comparing him to, um, you know, expecting him to be than Joe Thomas immediately, but he's been one of the worst tackles in the league. So I don't, I don't know how else you would grade him except, except an F that's, that's not to say that next year he doesn't come out and produce, but it's the general consensus from guys we talked to is it's going to be really hard for him to, to turn the corner this year in, in the, in the final eight games. And, and that's okay. I mean, you can have a rough rookie year. That's, that's okay. It happens. And some guys go on to play, play really well. Um, but, but maybe he doesn't. I mean, I think the possibility has to be there now that, that this was the wrong pick. Yes, it's early, but uh, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think Giants fans should like what they've seen so far. I don't know why they, why in the world they would. Um, but, you know, I think it's too early to call him the next Eric Flowers because I, I, I yes, he was late to the team meeting and, and he got benched briefly for that in the Washington game. But I don't, I think all indications from the coaching staff and, uh, are that this kid seems to want to to play well and 
is just just really scuffling right now. Yeah, and we saw one of the players that we could have picked, Tristan Wirfs, on the other side of the of the field, uh, playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that game. Um, wow. So you you did cover a lot of points. So I guess I I have to right before we cover the a uh, little bit of a preview for the Washington game um, with the draft picks. Now two years in a row where it kind of seems like our first round draft picks. And, and I'm not going to say this hasn't happened before uh, with first round draft picks, as you mentioned, Eric Flowers, but, um, you know, with, with failure of our first round draft picks, you have Daniel Jones two years ago, and now um, you have Andrew Thomas this year. Uh, since we just covered uh, Andrew Thomas, let's go to Daniel Jones. Um, and you mentioned it too, that he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't throw the ball away and he has trouble with ball security. Um, the ESPN uh, broadcasters praising him when he threw the ball out of bounds, I remember, yeah. on like a first and 10 yeah. or whatever it was and saying, wow, you know, he threw the ball out of bounds. So that's good for him. It's crazy that, you know, we're complimenting our, you know, quarterback that's supposed to be our future on a throw that he made out of bounds. It's unbelievable that he holds on to the ball. And I think what it is, and, and we talked about it uh, in our recap episode, that it, it's just that he wants to, I wouldn't say that he's like a, a self-centered football player, but he just wants to make the plays. You know, he, he wants to be able to get that first down. He wants to be able to do, um, you know, to, to, to get touchdowns, I guess you can say. So with him not holding on to the ball and him forcing those throws to the right, to the left side, those throws that you don't want your quarterbacks to make, take the sack and move on. Doesn't seem like Daniel Jones wants to. He does not want to take a sack. Uh, he feels that that's worse than being able to throw up the ball and see who catches it. So, you know, I want to get your thoughts on on Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean, I don't know his mindset. He's a, he plays it very close to the vest when he talks to us. But um, that, like I said earlier in that story, we kind of did kind of diagnosing their offensive problems. You know, his struggles were a big part of that story, re really in an anecdotal sense and talking to guys like Jeff Saturday about, Hey, what is wrong with this kid? Why, why, is, why, why is he struggling? And Jeff talking about the throws being late. And when you're late in the NFL, that's a major problem because, um, you're going to get picked off and, and that you've seen that and the ball security in the pocket is a separate issue. Um, the, the, the amount of time that he holds a ball in the pocket is one of the highest in the NFL. And that has, it's all, it's all connected. Of course, he doesn't have very good receivers. They can't get open. That's a problem. He doesn't have very good pass protection. So he's going to get hit a lot. Um, but you, when you have poor pass protection, you're holding the ball too long in the pocket. That's a bad combination. You, you wouldn't want your, you'd think that the, if you had a bad, bad pass protection, that the uh, that your quarterback would have a fairly low amount of time holding the ball in the pocket, but the the, the other side of that is the receivers can't get open. So their offense is a, is kind of a disaster talent wise. And again, that gets back to Dave Gettleman and the, the ter terrible job he's done constructing his roster. But I think if you look at the numbers, and not all his turnovers are on him, Daniel Jones, but a lot are. Um, he's 21 games in, and he's got 36 turnovers. He's on pace for 26 this year. And he had 23 and 13 games last year. So think about Mark Sanchez. I went back and looked this up. In his first two seasons, he played 31 games, 2009, 2010. You're probably too young to even remember that. But, um, uh, and, and that does seem like an eternity ago. But uh, 
it really was masked by those Jets teams winning. But Mark Sanchez, 37 turnovers in his first 31 games through two seasons. Daniel Jones already in a season plus 21 games, 36 turnovers. And so he has a, a much more of an issue um, fumbling the ball than Sanchez did. A lot of those, I think Sanchez only had four lost fumbles the first two years. Daniel Jones has, what, uh, 15, I think. I want to say, because he had 11 lost fumbles last year and, he, and he's got four this year, which is a, a major issue. So why why are these things happening? And I kind of explained it a little bit through the lens of what the other guys, the guys we talked to for that story were discussing, the analytics experts and the former players. Um, and that's this is the kid who holds the ball too long, which is a problem for a lot of young quarterbacks, but it's exacerbated by the fact that he doesn't have a lot of pieces around him to help him. And are the Giants so so that that gets into the build of their offense. Now, what about the strategy? Is Jason Garrett doing enough to help this guy? And you could argue that no, he's not. Set aside the deep ball stuff. I mean, they did throw the ball deep, I think, six times on Monday. I think he was two of six on deep passes. I want to say he only had 11 deep shots all year entering that game. Yeah, they're not throwing the ball deep because the receivers stink and they can't get open and their line stinks and they can't pass protect. But are there things Jason Garrett can do? Yeah, there are. He, they could use more pre-snap motion. Uh, they could use more play action passing and they could use more zone replays. They could use more unpredictability in terms of, um, you know, passing the ball on like a, a second and four, second and six, second and seven situation instead of running the ball to get to a third and, and manageable pat, try to pass for a first down. Those are the four points that um, the lot, a lot of people we talked to for that story brought up uh, the zone read, the play action, the pre-snap motion and being uh, less predictable in terms of run pass stuff on second uh, second and manageable. So, yeah, I mean, the zone read has worked really well for this kid. Yeah, you don't want to hang him out to dry every time, but I think if you look at what has gone well for Daniel Jones this year, he, he's got some athleticism. So maybe you try to incorporate that a little bit more to cover up for the fact that you're so deficient in other areas. And we haven't even talked about it yet. Saquon Barkley's out for the year. You know, say what you will about how wise that pick was in number two, but he he's a player they could use right now considering how, how untalented they are on offense. Um, but the bottom line is this, I, I don't, I don't think they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence next year. And that's only because the jets are so bad that I don't see the giants overtaking them. I think the giants are going to eke out a couple wins this year and the Jags and the jets will be ahead of them in the draft order. They probably won't jet draft Justin Fields. So you're looking at Daniel Jones getting one more year to try to prove this thing. I'll be, I'll be waiting and ready for those uh, 2021 NFL draft articles from you to come out and see who the giants have, where they're placed and who they pick. Um, going on to the Washington football team game against the New York Giants, it was it was a you know bad one last time. A really, I guess, New York Giants football type of game, if you want to say that. And then the defensive side of the ball is the 2019 final. Uh, very interesting. We had Kyle Allen coming in, uh, playing in this one, and I, I mean, it hasn't really changed for both teams. I would say on um, the amount of players that they have in that they you know that they don't have in or not injured. Besides. If you want to talk about Devonta Freeman, I think that was his first um, big game. I think this that was the second week in, and the first week I remember he didn't get many carries. This might have been his first game where he had a good amount of carries. I think so. I, I know he had 18 this one. I just don't remember if this is his first or second game with the big chunk of carries. So we'll see what happens uh, with him going into this game. Right now he's questionable. So we'll see what happens there. But – do you see this game being another Giants win, their second win of the season? Do they squeak one out here against Washington? I think I picked them to win 17-16 for our picks that we publish every 
every week. Um, so for whatever that's worth, which is not much, but uh, <laughs> I, yeah, look, I, I, Washington's not a very good team. The Giants are not either, but I think if you're a Giants fan, you have to be encouraged by how well the Giants played against the, the box on, um, on Monday night, a, a definitely superior team. The Giants hung with them. Their defense played pretty well and, and was able to manage things against Tom Brady. Uh, now, who knows what would have happened? Who, who knows if they if they get that fourth and two stop right at the end there? Bruce Arians decides to not kick that field goal. See that 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 could have come back, and you saw Brady on the sideline. He wasn't happy, you know, with that. He he, he was really wincing when he went to the sideline. Like, really, you're not going to let me go for this on fourth and one, fourth and two. Um, so if the Giants get get a stop there you got to remember that then it's a totally different ball game. Then they could march down the field and win the game with a touchdown uh, in that situation. So um, their defense didn't collapse late uh, like they did against Washington. And, and they were, it's funny, they got bailed out by, by uh, Ron Rivera's uh, very bold call to go yeah. for it on, uh, on the two point conversion at the very end. And then in this case, Bruce Arians kicking the field goal, sort of sets up that final drive in a different way for the Giants uh, against the Bucs. But anyway, I think, yeah, obviously Washington is one of the least talented teams in the league. You know, I, I, I think that the Giants have shown they can, they can play with this team, they can beat this team. And I think that you've seen enough encouraging signs from this, this Giants defense. And, and, and the fact that they have not played well late at the end of certain games, Dallas, Washington, um, yeah, that, that's a red flag, but the, their defense has a lot of holes, and Patrick Graham, I think, overall has done a pretty nice job. So I think he should be able to manage Kyle Allen. I, I think that they should be able to hold Washington to a manageable number of points where Daniel Jones doesn't really have to light it up um, and the offense doesn't have to light it up. So I think a close, low-scoring game, 17-16, maybe not something you're going to remember forever but in terms of all-time great games, but the Giants will certainly take take another win for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I, I can't believe that that game came down to a, just a bad call by Ron Rivera, to be honest. I mean, if they went for the two-point conversion, they, they could have easily won that game. Uh, and now going over to, like, the NFC East, how bad that is. If Washington wins this game, depending on how it goes, you know, this coming weekend, uh, if, if the football team wins this game, the Washington football team, they could be competing or in first place. And if the New York Giants win this game, depending how it goes – they could be competing for second place in the NFC East. So it's just crazy how bad the NFC East is. Uh, Darrow Slater is an NFL reporter slash analyst at NJ.com. You can go follow him on Twitter at Darrow Slater. Thank you so much for coming on today. Sure thing. Anytime. Happy to do it. That was our interview with Daryl Slater from NJ.com. Said it again. Hope you enjoyed that one. Alex, real quick before we go to our NFL picks, which hope you stay tuned for because this will be interesting. Um, he gave Andrew Thomas, I mentioned this in the intro, didn't give the grade though because I wanted everyone to wait, um, an F, an F draft grade for the New York Giants, Andrew Thomas. What do you think of that? That seems a little harsh. Um, you know, he's a rookie. He's a left tackle. I, I'd give him a C minus, D plus. I mean, he, he's obviously not a home run, uh, at least so far. So, you know, that's definitely a little harsh. But I see where he's coming from. Um, and, you know, sometimes you got to be harsh when you're the fourth overall pick. Oh, wow. I just remembered. Uh, we did not give our Giants football team score prediction 
Um, so let's do that actually right now. Uh, I, I guess do we wait? Let's let's. I guess we'll wait until we get into it in the picks, but we just we won't count it as a pick. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, so we'll do that. So let's go to Thursday night football. Um, it's going to be the Packers versus the 49ers. Packers losing uh, this past week. Very surprising to the Minnesota Vikings. Finally, after I choose them in the beginning of the season, they aren't good. Now they're starting to get good for some reason. Um, Packers versus 49ers. I'm going to go for uh, – I'm going to go Packers. All right, so I'm going to go for this one. I'm going to go Packers. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to have two bad games in a row. Devonta Adams is going crazy for them. I know because he's on my fantasy team and it makes me very happy. And hopefully he gets um, going. I mean, keeps going, I guess, really. Um, and, you know, I think they're going to make a comeback against a Jimmy Garoppolo-less 49ers. Very bad start to this outro. Uh, week 8 picks, Alex went 7-6, and six, I went 7-6. and six. Just wanted to put that out there. This is not, we're not off to a good start. We're forgetting some stuff here right in the beginning. All right, now let's get to it. Uh, Giants versus football team. I'm going to have the Washington football team winning this one. It's going to be a tight score. It's going to be a close score. It's going to be a 2017 final, and the football team will come on top. Um, I have a Giants win because why not? And I actually think they could win this game. I'm going to go with a 24-23 win to the Giants with a game-winning Daniel Jones drive for a field goal. I don't know. I'm just putting that in there. And then Graham Gano winner. Why not? Graham Gano winner for the New York Giants. We'll see what happens. Double G, as I like to say. 5-3 and three Bears versus the 5-2 and two Titans. I'm going to have the Titans winning this one. I think it'll be a close one down to the end. Uh, but I think the Titans will get it done. Titans obviously losing two games in a row. I think they're going to have to bounce back against a struggling-ish kind of Bears team, um, especially offensively. I think the Titans get it done. Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry um, won't have three losses in a row. Minnesota Vikings versus the Lions. Uh, They're going to be in Minnesota, so the weather shouldn't be a factor. I think Matthew Stafford and the Lions get it done here. I think they win against the Minnesota Vikings. Dalvin Cook on fire um, against the Packers with four touchdowns and over 200 yards, I believe. Um, not quite sure about that, but I believe so. I think he's going to do it again. I think they're going to go and uh, beat the Lions, who, you know, lost pretty badly to the Colts, who, um, you know, they're tied for top of the division, Josh. So, you know, I'm keeping an eye out for that. You can't make fun of me this week. They didn't lose embarrassingly. So, you know, I think. I think the uh, the Lions are not going to get this one. I don't know why I forgot uh, who was playing there real quick. Minnesota Vikings will win, Alex. Yes, that that team. Right, yep. Minnesota Vikings are going to win for Alex. Uh, he forgot the team name. Just gonna, I, I, had a, I had to click on that like five times. Uh, Chiefs are going to beat the Panthers. I think there's no question about it. Yeah, I have the Chiefs also. I don't think the Panthers, they just lost to the Falcons, and they're the Falcons, so is that, that's pretty much all I need to say. Battle of the one and sixes, we have the Texans versus the Jaguars. I'm going to go Texans. I think they win this one. Yeah, I'm going to go Texans also. Uh, Gardner Minshew is out, I believe, with a thumb injury, and I think they're going to have Jack Luden or Jake Luden, their six-round pick starting, and it gives me Ben DiNucci vibes, so I'm going uh, with the Texans. Ravens now 5-2, and two, same record as the Indianapolis Colts. I'm going to have them beating the Colts, though. If the Colts beat 
The Ravens, though, I might have to bow down, Alex. This is not – they better they better win. That's unfortunate because I don't think they're going to win, sadly. Um, I think the Ravens got this one after narrowly losing against the Steelers. Um, obviously, the Steelers now 7-0, and so they're looking pretty unstoppable at the moment. So I think the Ravens bounce back and get a nice win. I would say the game of the week right now, um, yeah, yeah, I would say so. It's going to be the 6-1 and one Seattle Seahawks versus the 6-2 and two Buffalo Bills. I think it's going to be a very good game, but who I think coming on top is going to be the Seahawks. I feel like they're going to blow them out now that I said that. I feel like they're going to blow them out. I don't think the Bills get more than a, two touchdowns in this game now. I think I just completely went against what I just said, but I think the Seahawks win this one. I disagree about the blowout because the Seahawks just bleed points left and right. So I'm not sure if that's so accurate. But yeah, I'm going for a Seahawks win. Russell Wilson will outscore any team in the NFL, it seems, at the moment. So I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Falcons have been getting a win, uh, got a win recently. I'm going to go Broncos. I think they beat them, though. So the Broncos, who came back late in that game against the Chargers to win, I think they continue that momentum and they... Um, win this one as well well speaking of the chargers it's going to be chargers versus raiders in this four o'clock game tough game to call i'm gonna call it for the raiders though i think they win i think the raiders win as well Derek carr actually looking pretty good this season so i think the raiders are um favorites to win this one the steelers better not they better not not be undefeated after this week they're facing the dallas cowboys the dallas cowboys they they should lose. They 100% should lose. It should be a blowout. I hope they get blown out. Steelers win this game, please. Please. This like I feel like this is a story going to be written. Ben DiNucci comes I no. Please no. Ben DiNucci against the best defense in the NFL doesn't seem good. Steelers win. All right. Uh the Dolphins have looked pretty good this season at the 4 and 3 record. They're going to be inside against the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals have looked really good. They have a really good offense, defensive side not bad. They have our friend Marcus Golden there on that team. Uh I think he's going to push them to a victory now, but I think the Cardinals will win this game. All right. So, I never mentioned this when it happened, but Kenyon Drake, who is obviously on the Cardinals on my fantasy team, I always mention him got injured after his big game. And now Chase Edmonds is taking over, and he's probably going to have a big game and take over his starting role. So Kenyon Drake, I am mad at you again um, for getting injured. All right. Um, Besides that, I have the Cardinals winning this game, though. Um, I think the Dolphins, yes, they're on a good run of form, but I think the Cardinals might be a little bit too much for them to handle. All right, Sunday Night Football, another good game. Saints versus Buccaneers. It's going to be close. I think Buccaneers come on top. Uh, we've seen Michael Thomas has injuries, uh, has an injury. Drew Brees has an injury, and Alvin Kamara is still suffering from an injury. So I think the Buccaneers get it done. Uh, this is a tough one. I'm going to go Buccaneers as well, just for those reasons you mentioned. Um, you know, obviously struggling against the Giants, but I think they're going to bounce back. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bucks. All right, here we are, another game prime time that no one wanted. The New England Patriots. At MedLife Stadium against the New York Jets. Why are the ONA Jets on Monday Night Football primetime? I had no idea. I think the Patriots win this game. They look bad right now, too, but I think they beat the Jets. I'm going for an upset. The New York Jets will get their first win of the season. Patriots haven't looked good. They're out of form. Cam Newton is 
somewhere else. I don't know. I think that's a fake dummy who's playing right now. So uh, I got the Jets winning this one. I think they get a win, finally. Finally, they get a win. Uh, And a surprising one as well. But it won't be a big win, that's for sure. All right, so that'll do it for our picks. We'll update you next week. Uh, let's go into the Twitters. Go follow me at JoshSolo29. Go follow Alex at Anorian23. Go follow at the Giant Take Pod. While you're on Twitter, go follow at Talking Blues Pod. Um, Chelsea FC podcast that I do with Alex and our friend Peter. He's been on one of the early or two of the early episodes. I think three, and I, I should get this for like when I talk about it. I never do, but one of the er- two of the early episodes. I just missed it again. Go follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the Giant Take. Um, yeah, Alex, you're up. TheGiantTake.com. We have episodes, blog posts. Um, newsletter at the bottom of the homepage. You can click support the podcast and I'll take you to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the giant take, which has a $2 tier with fan requests. Shout out on the podcast and private community. Yep. New blog post coming out early next week. So stay tuned for that Um, from Alex. He'll he'll get that one ready for you. And then what else? Give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen, especially on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Yep, I had that right the first time. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe. Share with at least one friend. Share with friends and family. Share on your social medias. Tag us at the Giant Take and the Giant Take Pod on Twitter. Josh, what are you thinking? A Giant Take Snapchat so they can see our lives? Nope, I'm not doing. Still waiting on someone uh, for the Facebook, though. If any adult wants to reach out to me about how to use Facebook, I'm still waiting for that. I'm getting the post out, but like... (laughs) it's difficult it's difficult it's a struggle um so yes anyone over the age of 60 please contact josh uh you can email him you can you know send him a fax whatever you want to do um that is a wrap for episode number 57 of the giant take podcast i've been your host alex always joined by josh and we'll see you next time Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.